0: Well, we normally have a format of a cup, two hymns, and then the sermon. But tonight, it just works to have the hymn following the sermon. So we're going to go straight into God's Word. So please turn with me to Mark chapter 13. We went through most of Mark 13 last Sunday evening, and now we will look at the last few verses 32 For you do not know when the master of the house will come, in the evening, or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. Let's pray again. Father, in such a simple passage, we ask that we would not lose the power of our Lord's teaching spirit, that you would imprint it in our lives in a world which tells us that this day, this existence is all that we have. But rather, we would have that kingdom expectation that Jesus is coming. And that would work its way through our attitudes and our actions, our dreams and our joys. Now, would you help us to, in a way, a great way to tremble at your word. Make us humble. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what's the longest time you've ever stayed awake? I'm a person who likes to sleep. My, my friends would get their homework done back in my college days so that they could do stuff on the weekends. I just did my homework so that I didn't have to stay up late at night and I could sleep. But there was one time where I was up for over 24 hours. I, I was on a midnight shift for guard duty in, in Iraq, it was 2005 by that point, and was coming off, and we were transitioning barracks, so we were going out of the large armored hangars that we had just cobbled together, some bunk beds, and we were actually moving into some buildings that resembled more or less quarters, much more than they were. And, and so I was coming off shift, I was moving, and someone said, hey, you get to go on R&R, rest and relaxation. They flew me to Cutter, And... And so by the time I did all of that, it was about 36 hours, at which point it's kind of like fasting. Eventually you stop getting tired and hungry and then you have trouble going to sleep. Right? But that was the longest I'd ever stayed up. Almost pulled the all-nighters at my best bud's house when we get together and do some stuff, get some turkey hill iced tea. Right? But generally you stay up for what's important for you. I do remember staying up a long time ago for a U.S.-Mexico soccer match for the World Cup a long time ago. U.S. actually won. It was in the 90s. These things that grab your interest or you have a priority, you stay awake so that you can be there. And and Jesus uses this idea of staying awake to spur you to act according to the times. Remember what Jesus said right before this, we, we covered last week. You are in the last times. There is a kingdom war between the kingdom of this world and his kingdom. He says to his disciples, the destruction of Jerusalem will show this. The king could be coming at any moment, and he tells you to stay awake. And so he gives you many commands in these short little passage here. Be on guard. Keep awake, verse 33. Verse 35, stay awake. And then he gives that parable of watching through the middle of the night, and he says, this applies to you all. So the idea here is very simple. Stay awake to greet the king. We want to, in our lives, stay awake to greet the king. And how do you do this? Well, we're going to answer three questions. First of all, why, do you, why must you stay awake? You must stay awake because you don't know the time. Remember, the disciples were asking about the destruction. Jesus mentioned it. And he told them that the destruction of the temple will come. Um, but this set of trials, as terrible as it is, will really be a sneak peek of his coming judgment and then him coming back while Christians knew about the danger in Jerusalem, we do not know the last days of Jesus' coming back. And he makes this very clear. Verse 22, concerning that day or hour, no one, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son knows, but even the Father. Right? Jesus is saying you can know the signs of destruction for Jerusalem, but nobody knows, except for the Father, when he's coming back. Now. You might ask, well, how, how doesn't the Son know? Here we'd say it's talking about the, the human incarnation of the Son. in His human will submitted to the nature of the Father this is as part of the mystery of the Godhead. But he's making the point nobody knows. Only, only God does. And this is an important truth because throughout time there have been false messiahs that have claimed that either they are, they are the, the end of the kingdom or that, that they're heralding Jesus coming back. There were several Jewish messiahs that one of them was... The impetus for the Jewish revolt, which brought the destruction of Jerusalem. There is a man you might know, for those of you who are older, Harold Camping. He's dead now. He died almost 10 years ago. But he said, you know, Jesus is coming back. The church age is older. over. Sit, sit at home and listen to my radio station. My, my dad, when he was a pastor, even afterwards, he kept a book on his shelf that said 1994 in big letters, written by Harold Camping in 1992. And it was... I was a teenager so it was late 90s and I asked him why do you keep that book? And he says to remind me that people say crazy things. Right? You just see 1994 on the shelf and it's it's past. You know, I, and you would be tempted to say, "Harold, you know, if Jesus doesn't know the day or the hour, how would you know? Nobody knows." It would make it easier. You could sit down and plan and you know, but nobody knows. So that's why you need to stay awake. Nobody knows. But what does it mean to stay awake? It means that you're alert, that you are aware of the present situation and that the end could be near and that you act accordingly. Jesus tells the parable of the doorkeeper that the, the master is going away and tells you to walk and be vigilant. And what's one of the surest signs that you're staying awake? Scripture It's your prayer life. Our Lord sets this example through his life as one who communed with God, not only as a personal relationship, but for the fervency of the power through his ministry. And it seemed as his prayers increased, as opposition increased, John records the great prayers of Jesus for his people in chapter 17 of his Gospels. And then, of course, there's the agony of Gethsemane and wrestling. There's no accident that after this teaching, Jesus takes his disciples, to Gethsemane tells them to pray with him. And what do they do? fall asleep and he says can't you stay awake don't you understand what time it is watch so that you don't fall into temptation probably no accident that peter later on having looking back at times as he was one of the ones who was drowsy he's he's writing to christians who are now facing fierce opposition says first peter 4 7 the ends of all things are at hand be sober-minded therefore for the sake of your prayers that's what godly alertness calls for, that you strap on your armor, that, that you pray for people to come to know Jesus, that you intercede for your spouse and your family members, you pray for your children, you pray for your friends and your coworkers. you pray calling out to God that He would bring the Spirit and that He would receive the glory that He deserves. When you pray, you demonstrate that you, you know you're in the last times, you have that kingdom mindset. I love that quote by John Piper. He says, you cannot know what prayer is for until you know that life is war. Right? It's, it's, it's that mentality. And the temptation for us is to lay aside prayer because we, maybe we don't believe that it, it works. Maybe that we believe that we can do it better in our, in our technique-oriented society. Maybe we just, you know, are a little lax and believe that God's got this. We're going to sing a song and... One of the verses says, Christian, dost thou hear them? It's talking about the opponents, Satan's minions. How they speak thee fair, always fast and visual, always watch and prayer. Why are you doing that? Christian, answer boldly. While I breathe, I pray. Peace shall follow battle. Night shall end in day. While I breathe, I pray. I don't find this easy. I find this challenging. We have... As humans, (laughs) we have inherent challenges, our heart, we have our distracted minds. But I think as our society has changed and as we have easy access, on-demand, entertainment, distraction, I think prayer is even harder. And one of the reasons why we as a session started our prayer services is so that we would get together. And it it helps for multiple reasons. One of it is the discipline of praying. You you, You carve out the time, but then... You, you join your voices with other people in a way that, that magnifies your prayers. And it, it's it's a, an interwoven conversation to the Lord. And if you're having trouble praying, this is a great way to do it. So we stay alert like, through prayer. Right? Jesus tells the story of the servant who was charged to stay awake and keep at their work. And why does he do that? Because it's human nature to, to, to get distracted or just to put things off when the master is away. Now, kids, have you ever had this where your mom says, look, I'm, I'm going to go on an errand. And I see your, your room is, you know, it's not terribly dirty, but it's a, little, it's a little dirty. And I'd like you to have it clean by the time I come home. You're like, all right, Mom, I got it. So you see you, you, know, you hear the wheels take, you drive off, and Mom goes. And you start to clean up, and then, oh, wow, this book is so interesting. You sit down, or, oh, man, I, I didn't finish this Lego project. And, and you, all of a sudden, you hear the wheels pull back up. Right, you stuff it all in the closet, cleaned up. We can do that. It's not just innocent negligence. It has has an impact on kingdom warfare. You can turn if you want to Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul is encouraging God's people to have this mindset. Ephesians 5, starting at verse 11, he says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Now, who Paul's talking about sleeper, there's some debate whether he's talking about unbelievers or maybe Christians who are lax or maybe, maybe there's two categories of mind there. But certainly having this mindset that we're we're carefully walking because we know the time we know the days are evil. And so Jesus is coming back. And so we stay awake. So how can you stay awake? Well, we look forward to his coming. We anticipate it. Right? This is the reason you want to stay awake for anything because because you want to because it's in your best interest because you know you're driving and you'll you'll drive off the road. You want to get home. You're staying up listening to your teenage child as they bear their soul as you'd really rather be asleep, but this is the time. Reading an exciting novel and you just got to finish that story. Or right? you stay up because you want to. And we remember here that Jesus coming is your hope. One day the trumpets will sound. It will be unmistakable. He will come and judge the world and the change will be unimaginable. We will see him in his glory. We will be changed. Right? There's... Sports is definitely overhyped, and I use this illustration, but I just still think it's the best. Today it's overhyped. It's a good, it's a good thing. I pray that we play sports in heaven, at least some of us. but, you know, when you have a stadium of 60, 100,000 people just screaming, cheering in unison, the, the, the throaty roar, what's well, going to be nothing compared to the billions of people who are going to shout when Jesus comes back. The difficult days of watching and waiting will be transformed into joy and ecstasy. So do we think this way? Is this part of our, our vocabulary, our expectations? Lord, come. Brothers and sisters, this is what can keep us awake, keep us focused. We can pray for the, the plan of the Father, the work of the, Son, the work of the Spirit that is carrying out the, what the Son has done and waiting the return of the King. This is the hope that can drive us to be faithful. I'll end with a story I have told before as well, but definitely... Sticks on my mind of someone who sticks at his post. It was told by a sergeant who was teaching us in our advanced individual training. So this is our army skill training after basic training. We called it AIT because it's an acronym for everything. And he said at one point I was a signal. I was a, I was a shop chief. repaired radios, electronics. And so he was he was a sergeant, E5. And I had a whole bunch of specialists under me. And in that in that field, there's a whole bunch of really smart specialists who are never going to get promoted because the, the signal stovepipe is like that. And so most of them go off into the civilian world and make lots of money. But there's a whole bunch of specialists that are too smart for their own good and they need to be herded like cats. And so he came in. It was his, one of his first days. And he said, all right, guys. Uh, soldiers, he wouldn't say guys. All right, soldiers, I'm, I'm going to go over to the depot. I'm going to be don- gone for the whole day. It's It's 1100. Make sure you do your work around here. You can leave right at 1,600. And then he drove off, but instead of driving to the depot, he just drove to the top of the hill and he looked at the parking lot. And he just waited. And sure enough, half an hour later, one car drove away, then another. A whole bunch. Two o'clock, second to last car drove away. And at that point... He drove back down, and he went inside, and he saw the one soldier who was left, who was faithful, and said, "Congratulations, you're now my corporal. (laughs) You have the least, you have the the, you have the worst job in the army. Still an E four, but now an NCO. But can you imagine the surprise on his face when his boss returned? He was faithful at his post, even when everyone else said it didn't matter. It's all forgotten." going to live differently. And oh, to be the follower of Jesus, who is thus faithful when he returns. Please pray with me. Lord, we know we are apt to fall asleep, uh, to, to be sleepy, to be distracted. We thank you for your clear teaching. We thank you that we can spur each other on with good works. We thank you that we can pray, pray together and that you hear and use our prayers. In a way that is powerful and incredible. And so we ask, Lord, as we pray now, would we have that heart that would say, even so, come Lord Jesus. Amen.